0: on Drilled.
1: My
2: only regret is that I did not try hard enough to keep them out. They need to try everything to keep them out. They do not want Formosa in there. That
0: was Diane Wilson in Texas talking about her 30-year battle with Taiwanese petrochemical company Formosa. In Diane's defense... She didn't know Formosa was coming to her town. She didn't know about them at all until they'd been there a while and started planning a massive expansion. In Louisiana, where the company is hoping to build a $9 billion complex with 14 different plants, it's a different story. Residents and activists knew about the project almost immediately because they were already fighting the fossil fuel and petrochemical industries all over the region.
2: So I worked with the Bucky Brigade, and we were working in St. James Parish in regard to the Bayou Bridge pipeline.
0: So when Formosa came to St. James Parish, Louisiana, the community was ready for them.
2: There is a a drive to build and expand more petrochemical plants all over the country, and certainly Louisiana is ground zero for that, and within that, St. James is in the bullseye. And so they, they built the southern leg of the Dakota Access Pipeline in St. James Parish. I was already working on that. And then in the midst of that, this, this you know horrible idea of Formosa the plastics comes up.
0: That's our story today. I'm Amy Westerwald, and this is Drilled. Season six, The Bridge to Nowhere. Today, the continuation of part one, Plastic Pipelines
1: and we're gonna fight for Mosa. Right. We will not allow them to take our ancestors out of this ground yeah. and put them somewhere else. We're gonna stand up for St. James Parish. This is our home. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. For Mosa has a have a fight on their hands.
0: New Year's resolutions are almost destined to fail. I resolve almost every year to work less, and we all know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but one thing I have been able to stick to, and you can too, is switching up the way you do laundry in 2024 and grabbing Earth Breeze. I know what you're thinking laundry is not so fun. Those huge, heavy plastic jugs measuring out the right amount, getting goo all over the place. It's annoying. Earthbreeze Eco Sheets totally changed the game. Unlike powder or liquid, Earthbreeze actually looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent. And it's super easy. You just throw it into your laundry and that's it. There's no measuring, there's no lugging anything around. Your laundry comes out clean it smells great i love it it's genuinely made my life easier it's also dermatologist tested hypoallergenic free of bleach and dyes so it's perfect for every load you'll never run out of detergent again thanks to earthbreeze's easy flexible subscription you can adjust pause or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties and you save a whopping 40 percent when you subscribe plus shipping is always free and eco sheets are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space it also gets rid of one more plastic thing in your life, and the company has donated over a hundred million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save forty percent. Forty four zero. Go to Earthbreeze.com/drilled. That's e-a-r-t-h-b-r-e-e-z-e.com/drilled for forty percent off your subscription. Triumphant music you hear is the soundtrack to a 23-minute promotional video for Mosa Plastics posted to YouTube in January 2021. Here's how they describe this project in St. James Parish.
3: FPG will continue to build downstream petrochemical plants and also plans to invest 9.4 billion US dollars to build a large petrochemical complex in Louisiana. FPG will also evaluate the feasibility of expanding its investments in the future.
0: So, like we talked about last episode, Formosa's taking advantage of cheap shale gas in the US to fuel its buildout of petrochemical plants. Shale gas is another term for natural gas or fracked gas or fossil gas. It's the stuff a lot of U.S. companies have been drilling out of rocks over the past decade. Part of the reason Formosa is expanding so much in the U.S. is not just because of all the cheap gas. It's also because the government in its home country, Taiwan, refused to give the company permits. It's violated so many environmental regulations over the years that it's considered a bad actor. So... Formosa looked around the world for a place to expand, maybe somewhere with weaker environmental regulations, and they found it in the American South. But while state officials welcomed them with open arms, they may have underestimated local residents.
1: And this isn't just any plant, but it's being called the largest facility in the state, producing products like plastic bottles and grocery bags. So what's at stake for people like Sharon who have called St. James home all her life and who really benefits from the petrochemical industry?
0: Almost immediately, the community in St. James Parish started asking questions about how exactly this new plant Formosa was planning was going to benefit them. Sharon Levine saw nothing good about the plan right from the jump.
1: When I heard that Formosa was coming into St. James, the governor announced it in the spring of 2018. That's when I first heard about it. And then in the fall of 2018, that's when I started Rise the James. I started in my house. There was about um, almost 10 of us in here, and we were all riled up because we wanted to do something about it.
0: Sharon was born and raised in St. James. She spent most of her life as a school teacher, but today she's the leader of the community's opposition to Formosa. I reached her by phone on a hot day in Louisiana, and she told me it was her daughter who first told her about the Formosa Project. They call it the Sunshine Project. And then Sharon saw it on the news that night. It was presented like a done deal the parish council, the governor, everyone had signed off on it. But within weeks, Sharon had invited her neighbors over to her house to talk about what they were gonna do. That day, she started a faith-based activist group to fight the project, RISE St. James. And she's devoted every minute of her life to the effort ever since. RISE joined up with other groups in the area, and they started marching, protesting, and looking for legal help. Within a few months, Formosa was back on the local news. But this time, the story was Sharon
1: and her opposition to the project. Here she is on WWL-TV. When they said Formosa was coming in, it looked like something inside of me just clicked because it's coming right next to me. It's almost two miles from, from, from where they want to build. Sharon lives in St. James Parish,
0: right in that bullseye Ann Rolfes was talking about. It's smack in the middle of what's called Cancer Alley on the Gulf Coast, a stretch of the Mississippi River from Baton Rouge to New Orleans that's currently home to more than 200 oil refineries, petrochemical plants, and manufacturing sites. And, no surprise, some of the highest cancer and asthma rates in the country. Sharon's a retired school teacher, and she remembers what life was like before her home earned the nickname Cancer Alley. It
1: wasn't even that long ago. When I was a little girl, we had beautiful trees, pecan trees, fruit trees. My daddy raised our foods, and we lived off the land. Everything was so vibrant and so pretty, the green grass and everything. Then back in the 60s, that's when the fert industry came down in St. James.
0: The bulk of that industry is concentrated in the Black neighborhoods of St. James Parish. If you look at the demographics of the parish, it seems very mixed. Almost exactly 50% Black, 50% White. But...
3: Those chemical facilities are also concentrated in the districts of St. James Parish that are predominantly Black.
0: This is Jane Patton. She was born and raised in Louisiana and now works as both a campaigner for the Center for International Environmental Law and as the director of No Waste
3: Louisiana. So the parts of St. James Parish that are predominantly white have significantly fewer. And in the the case of at least one district, there are no chemical plants um, in that majority white district. And yet the two majority black districts in St. James have almost all of the petrochemical footprint. Plastics production capacity, uh, an aluminum plant, there are several oil refineries. So this is a very significant industrial footprint and, and it's very visible when you're driving around the parish. So as the local community in St. James likes to say, St. James is full.
0: Over the past few years, local resistance has been mounting. And the region has attracted national attention from environmental law groups, too. Here's Julie Teal Simmons with the Center for Biological
4: Diversity. We were at a meeting in Texas about the oil and gas industry and the petrochemical build-out. And I met with Ann Rolfes of the Louisiana Bucket Brigade and was just astounded to hear about this new plastics plant proposed for St. James Parish, Louisiana.
0: Anne Rolfes is the founding director of the Louisiana Bucket Brigade, an environmental justice nonprofit in Louisiana. She's the woman we heard from at the top of the episode talking about the fight against Bayou Bridge, that southern leg of the Dakota Access Pipeline that was built through St. James. So Anne and Julie were talking, and it didn't take long for all of them, Anne, Julie, Sharon, and Jane, to start working together. At the time, in 2018, several nonprofit organizations and community groups had started fighting new permits for facilities in Cancer Alley and tax breaks that the oil industry was looking for in the area, too. More on that after the break.
3: In 2016, the governor, in response to a lot of organizing and advocacy, the Louisiana governor, John Bell Edwards, issued an executive order uh, changing the way that the, the exemptions for local property taxes were granted. Uh, so instead of having a state board do it, and they always got a rubber stamp, they then had to get approval from each local permitting authority. And uh, the industry didn't like that so much.
0: This is Jane
3: Patton again. And so, since that executive order has been put in place, they've been trying to push legislation through the state uh, legislature to centralize the decision making, to try to actually put the original terms of the tax exemption program back in place. There was a whole constitutional amendment um, that was voted on last year um, that tried to put the actually a more generous version of the pre existing tax exemption program in place, and they lost. Um, and, and that, again, was due to really significant local organizing. It was actually really tied in by that time with the campaign against Formosa because the Formosa plant is, within its first 10 years of existence, supposed to get approximately a billion dollars in local tax breaks.
0: A petrochemical plant that the community doesn't want, that will be a significant source of income for the company and of pollution for the region, is getting a $1 billion-dollar tax break over its first decade of operating. That's after tightening the laws around tax breaks to industry.
3: And they're going to be building in a parish that is really strapped for cash. A parish that is having to fire 30 of its public school teaching staff this school year because they don't have enough funds to pay them. And is actively trying to not have to pay their local property taxes. And of course, they're not more guilty of that than any other industry actor they all don't want to pay their property taxes but that doesn't help the local community
0: julie teal simmons organization had been working on various issues in the gulf coast ever since the deep water oil spill back in 2010 but it hadn't gotten involved in any of the cancer alley fights until the formosa proposal came along
4: this formosa plastics plant proposed for st james parish is on a 2400 acre site and the build out of the facilities, it'll have 14 different plants. It literally is bigger than some many Louisiana towns, and it really is an industrial city that we're talking about.
0: Over in Texas, Diane Wilson heard about it too, and she was worried.
2: Those people in Louisiana, in St. James Parish, in that little, that's what they got to look for. They got no idea. It will destroy everything they got, everything.
0: Sharon Levine has already seen her community emptied out as industry has come in. And with Formosa, enough was enough. Sharon's deeply religious. And she says God told her to fight this one. I feel like you guys have been a lot more successful than many other communities fighting these things. Why do you think that is? I think because we've
1: gone to that.
0: It's a little hard to hear Sharon in this recording, but she says RISE has been successful because they've included God in what they're doing. Early on, the community groups opposing Formosa linked up with environmental law groups like Julie Teal Simmons Group, the Center for Biological Diversity.
4: We started looking into it and we've worked with Gulf groups a lot, for example, on the BP oil spill. And this facility, though, just presented such an intersection of all the issues that we care about. So this facility would not only be built on top of wetlands and adjacent to the Mississippi River and adjacent to a really important national estuary, but it also would create a massive amount of air pollution. It's gonna be, it's the single largest proposed source that we've been tracking of greenhouse gas emissions in the country. It's gonna be permitted to, it has been permitted to emit 13.6 million metric tons of CO2 every year. It's the equivalent of three and a half coal-fired power plants, just to give you some context.
0: Today, there are several different lawyers fighting Formosa on multiple fronts. Simmons' group is focused on a federal complaint against the Army Corps of Engineers, which was in charge of issuing Formosa permits to build on wetlands in St. James.
4: Obviously, this project sits right on the Mississippi River, right next to the levee, And there are wetlands on site and adjacent to the property that connect to this national estuary and fishing grounds and recreational grounds that folks like to use Um, and obviously will also impact the mississippi river and they want to build a dock and um, do a lot of work that will impact waters and wetlands so the army corps still has jurisdiction over that that is not delegated to the states so we commented on the proposed permit obviously opposing it for a whole host of reasons.
0: Then there were the local permits that Louisiana's Department of Environmental Quality had to issue for the project.
3: So we were approached by a local resident who has lived in St. James all her life and was concerned about particularly the environmental justice aspect of Formosa's proposed plant, because her community, which is predominantly African-American, has been overburdened with industrial pollution.
0: This is Kimberly Terrell with the Tulane University Law Clinic. The woman she's talking about there isn't Sharon Levine, but she is a member of Sharon's group, Rise St. James. The first chance the public got to formally voice their opposition to the project came when Formosa applied for its air permit.
3: So the first thing we did was the attorneys at the clinic submitted comments on Beverly's behalf regarding environmental justice concerns for Formosa's air permit. You know, that was important to raise those issues before DEQ made its decision in order to be able to challenge that decision.
0: One of the things that Terrell and her colleagues argued was that Louisiana's Department of Environmental Quality, LDEQ, had looked at outdated information to determine the environmental justice impact of the Formosa plant. Here's Terrell's colleague, Devin Lowell.
4: This this petition just challenges DEQ's uh, environmental justice analysis that they did, and I'm putting analysis there in air quotes. DEQ in its decision used outdated uh, cancer risk information to the claim that there was no uh, evidence that, that the nearby community fa- already faced a disproportionate burden from air pollution, but that information was outdated when they made the decision. There was updated information that showed that, in fact, the community of welcome, which is closest to the proposed facility, ha- actually faces uh, cancer risk in the 86th percentile from air toxics, which is much higher than the, the, the state average.
0: And Rolfes is involved in that suit too, as is Simmons, who's working on both the state and federal fights. Despite a lot of opposition, the Army Corps approved Formosa's permit to build on those wetlands in September 2019.
4: This decision was one of the worst I've seen. Um, they issued a very, very short decision document that just had so many holes in it. and so. In January of 2020, we went to federal court. We actually filed in the District of DC where the headquarters for the Army Corps is. uh, And we filed a lawsuit challenging the Army Corps' issuance of this permit on many, many grounds. And there are violations of law under the Clean Water Act, but also the National Environmental Policy Act and the National Historic Preservation Act.
0: Both the federal and state cases are ongoing but Formosa's opponents have stacked up some wins. A judge just ruled in the state case that Louisiana DEQ has to go back and look at current information to make a decision on the environmental justice impact of the plant. And the Army Corps has put a halt to building on those wetlands because the facility wasn't just planned for wetlands. It was planned for old plantation sites
4: there was a discovery that there are at least two cemeteries of former slaves, unmarked burial sites on that on that site, and there are several other anomalies on the property, which is the word archaeologists use to define areas that can't be ruled out as significant historic properties. So we also had a claim in our lawsuit stating that the Army Corps violated the National Historic uh, Preservation Act by failing to adequately assess and protect those sites.
0: That made this a constitutional case, too. And the Center for Constitutional Rights came on board to help.
2: And so we've been assisting Rise St. James in other ways, through helping them uh, unearth the information about the burial sites on the property, make sure that they can have access to those sites.
0: This is Pam Spies, Senior Staff Attorney with the Center for Constitutional Rights. She filed a public records request to see if she could figure out if Formosa knew about the graveyard before it submitted its plan.
2: What we know from the public records request is that the company was actually wanting to remove Cemetery if they found it on the Acadia Plantation, because where that site was located is where they wanted to place a utility plant that would power the, because this complex is so massive. Right, it's going to need its own utility plant, And that's exactly where it was going to be located. So if they found graves on that site, they were in the position of having to either reconfigure all of the site plans or seek permission to remove those remains, which would have been a really big deal. So I I would imagine it's because either they just didn't think about it and didn't think it's worth reporting out and, and nobody would care, or they realized that people would care a whole lot and um, didn't want to call too much attention to it.
0: Whatever happened, it was good enough to pause the project, at least the bit that the Army Corps permitted, until next year. But it was more than just a delay. This news also brought a lot of negative attention and national press to the project. When Sharon Levine wanted to have a Juneteenth celebration at the site of the graveyard, her petition was initially denied, but she fought that decision, and she won. She and her group had that celebration first in 2020, and again this June.
1: Oh, we sang. We had a whole a, a whole agenda. We sang. We had an opening prayer. And I'd
4: like to turn this into sacred ground by a blessing
1: with holy water. The ministers blessed the grave site. Some people give. Uh, some accountability of what they experienced in St. James and some of the little history of different things in St. James. For Spees, it sent a powerful message.
2: Well, I think the graves have done something very profound. They have really erased what was an imaginary line between the past and present. Mm. Um, I, you know, I think it, it made it, it's all... It's all very present right now. The, the, you know, and I certainly think for folks in RISE and in the community, um, the rediscovered connection to these graves is so profound, and it, it gives them more strength and, and um, courage and commitment to the struggle. And they certainly, I don't think there's any way you can divorce what's happening now in terms of the siding of these facilities and who's bearing the biggest burden from the history of slavery in that in that area. It's all there's a straight line connecting it all.
0: Next time on drilled, what happened when the pandemic made plastic a little more appealing?
2: There's a remarkable instance of this where you have an industry representative actually fantasizing and i'm using this word very advisedly fantasizing that they'll be able to get the public to wrap bananas and apples in plastic packaging in the name of hygiene and fighting the covid pandemic and if there right. and i think that that is a testament to you know how overly optimistic the industry is about about how it's going to be able to exploit covid19 to fill that gap in plastic demand
0: Drilled is an original production of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. The show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Amy Westervelt. Additional reporting this episode from Sarah Dern in Louisiana. Our producer this season is Juliana Bradley. Our editor is Julia Ritchie. Our theme song this season is Death Song by B. Beeman. Additional music for the season composed by Elliot Peltzman. Our artwork for the season is done by Matthew Fleming. Our First Amendment attorney is James Wheaton at the First Amendment Project. You can find additional reporting and photos for this season on our Twitter feed at WeAreDrilled or online at DrilledNews.com. If you're a fan of the show, please consider supporting us in two ways one if you want to spend some money and get some extra bonus content and early episodes check out our patreon at patreon.com slash drilled you can also support us by giving us a rating or review in apple podcasts it really helps us find new listeners and combat the army of climate denier trolls that are constantly trying to tank our ratings thanks for doing that and we'll see you next week